A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She'll teach you how to make it all alright. Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury, and I'm the trans handy ma'am. My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Handyman Hotline. Right now, we are recording here on location in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm with my very good friend, Basil. You make it sound so cool when you say it like that. Well, I mean, we are here on location. Also, we did fly today twice to get to Boston from good old Madison, Wisconsin, so I feel like I get to say on location. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did fly. We did fly with this podcasting equipment that was very thoroughly inspected by the TSA. <laughs> TSA. They love the trans people. <laughs> All of that being said, Basil, what are we doing here in Boston, Massachusetts? Oh, we're just on a little book tour for a little New York Times number oh. one best-selling book. Oh, by, yeah. Who's this? By, you know, oh, the one and only Mercury Star. Oh, that's right. I wrote a book called Safe and Sound, A Renter's Friendly Got a Home Repair. You can buy it basically anywhere. And we are on the book tour right now celebrating that book and meeting all the fans, which has been a wonderful, great experience. If you want to learn more about that, you can just listen to the After Show pre-show that will be after this episode on my Patreon only. So go there and support us, and we would appreciate it. All that being said, we got five questions today, Mm -hmm. and we are going to play them, and I'm going to do the best I can to answer them. If you're new here and you've never listened to the uh, the podcast before, I am not 100% perfect on these questions. (laughs) I would say I'm batting like an 85%. I'm doing pretty good, but definitely uh, we'd like to push it, and I'm not going to get them right all the time. But all of that being said, we are going to go for it today, right, Baze? We are going to do our very best. We're going to do our very best, and I'm probably going to crack a lot of jokes around the way, and Basil's going to read the questions. I am going to read this question from Morgan. Morgan says, Hi, Mercury. My name is Morgan, and I just recently got your book. I love it so much, and I can't wait to start fixing up things around my apartment. I started by following your directions for how to install a bidet, and I ran into a problem I'm hoping you can help me with. Oh, okay. Hey, we love bidet questions. Yeah, we have so much to say about bidets. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to turn the shutoff valve next to the toilet before yep. starting the rest of the bidet installation... The valve would not budge at all. Yep. It does look pretty old, so I'm guessing it hasn't been turned in quite a while. Yes. However, I tried doing everything that I thought I could do as a renter, and that mainly included putting a super hot, wet washcloth over the valve for a little bit to hopefully loosen it and spraying WD-40 on the valve multiple times. It won't budge even in the slightest. I don't know how much more I can do since I don't want to break the valve and I can't replace it myself. I did put in a work order with my leasing office to see if maintenance could help me, but they don't really see this as a priority and no one will return my call about this. I've been told to just go without the bidet, so I don't think 
they'll really be doing anything to help me. Do you have any advice for any other ways I could maybe loosen the shutoff valve in my toilet? I'm scared to try anything else at the moment since I don't want to break the valve and have my bathroom flood. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a great day. This is such a good question. And honestly, when we're dealing with apartments itself, that is something that is a concern. And we talk about that in the book, even that like that is something that I want you to be aware of before you even go into it, where the valves themselves can be tricky. I've had that happen in my own apartments I've been in. Right. Basil, have you had that happen before? Not anything quite like that, no. Okay. So the first thing I would say, uh, you know, the warm cloth isn't going to do what you think it is going to do. If anything, it might make the problem worse. Mm. So the spray in the WD-40 is also not going to do what you think it's going to do, right? It can actually gum up, especially on plumbing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because everyone uses WD-40 for a catch-all lubricant. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. a catch-all lubricant. It's for mechanics, right? It's literally for gears on top of gears. Now, if we're talking about threads, if we're talking about those kind of things, you need to get a lubricant that is made for that. Multi-purpose ones are fine, but there's always a lubricant for any specific thing. So there's anti-rust lubricants, and there are like plumbing lubricants that you can spray on various different things. Now, there is specifically like a Rust Ease product that's out there that is not bad that you might be able to spray on this and let it soak and then let it turn in there, right? Better yet, you can even get a bucket and cut it up in a way so it can fit underneath there. Fill the bucket up as much as you can with most of that stuff, like a little bit of water and a little bit of whatever else you have, and that might actually help loosen it up. You know, that like if you fill it up with the actual Mm -hmm. rust in like ease stuff away in it. Or another thing that I would say is that applying a constant pressure on something Mm -hmm. is better than jerking it. And if you are applying constant pressure to it and at a good rate, right, and you're you're not feeling it to go, then I I, I think that then you might have a bigger problem. Then you definitely need to not touch it. Right. But I would say nine times out of 10, when you are applying constant pressure on something that it definitely has like rust problems with it, you're probably going to be okay. So that, that would be my, my, my route. That would be where I'm going with it. I, they didn't send a photo. So I, I do just wonder because I have seen like at my apartment right now, there is a lot of like calcium and lime buildup around those yes. bits. Yep. So, I mean, I know that those can sometimes get caught up in the threads too and, and prevent them. 100%. And that's why you're like a lot of these specific products like working well. You could try CLR. You could try those products to, the, to, to work in there. I, I think that at this point, since you've already tried all the other stuff, I don't think any of the stuff that we're saying would, would hurt you in this instance. If you are trying the constant pressure just... Go slow and a lot. Just know that it seizes up. That's why it does it sometimes, right? Like if it, all because it it won't go. If it would go on, right? If you're able to turn it like all the way off, and then you got to turn it back on. If you're able to do it one way, you think you should be able to do it the other way. That isn't how threats work. Sometimes, if you go one way with it, it doesn't mean you'll be able to go back as easily. Sometimes it gets seized up when it's when it's going into. More calcium buildup, more rust buildup, and that, those kind of stuff. Does that make sense? I, I have a, a clarifying question for you, Mercury. I remember being told that you shouldn't 
turn those things like the the water valves and stuff all the way to their complete open yeah, because yeah. of that. Yes, that right? 100%. So I would advise to never go all, th- thank you for asking this question because I don't think I I say this often enough. If you go all the way, they they can get locked up. Mm-hmm. And if they get locked up, you can get them undone, but that can definitely be, you know, like a little bit of a a scary moment right because it's like you're 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 not sure what's happening you feel like you might break it but you're actually not going to break it but if you do that multiple times and you do that over and over again you're you're actually causing the problems that this person is is calling us about right now so interesting that you you asked that clarifying question so yeah no i would say go all the way until the water stops you 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 like would like run the water, like flush the toilet or and do that, and then close it right away. And once you hear the water stop, you're you're fine. Just stop right there. And then when you take disconnect stuff, make sure there's a bucket underneath there. And if there's still mm-hmm. a constant drip, you can always tighten it up a little bit more. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I might have answered that question. I don't know. Do you think I answered that question? I think we probably answered as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also one of those things too. Like if the handle is loosening up, you know, you can maybe tighten it up a little bit, but I don't know. There's just so many things with those that can be really frustrating. I always err on the side of caution if possible and trying to get a landlord to install, you know, a bidet or trying to get them to install a new water valve can always be an uphill battle to say the least. Yeah. But my best of luck to you, and I hope that we helped in any way that we possibly could. All right. And then we've got another question here. Would you like your cat tax before or after the question? Oh, I want it after. I want it after. So we've got our question here from Allison. She says, howdy, Mercury Stardust. My name is Allison, and this is my very first time texting the official Handy Ma'am hotline. I want to find out if you have any advice about fixing a faulty temperature sensor in an oven. More specifically, oh, a Whirlpool shit. oven. I do not know the model name or number. Is fixing slash replacing the temperature sensor in an oven a task an ordinary human being can do? Any help would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for your time. Okay, I definitely need a cat tax for this one. It's a good one. Oh, it's a good. It okay, a for good those one. who don't know, tax the cat tax refers to people sending me cat photos to make sure they get their questions answered. <laughs> oh my god, that's a black cat with a boa. Oh my god, but I don't. What was the name? Hiccup. The name is Hiccup. Oh my god. I love... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just gushing about cats. I love cats. He's winking. Okay, I'll answer this question. I wasn't positive, but now I'm a little bit more positive. I'll answer it. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, Baze. They said they do not know the make or model of it. Correct. They they say it's they say it's a Whirlpool. They do not know the, the model name or number. Okay, so I'm going to tell you right now, very hard to do any of this. Without knowing the model and make. Now, you can find that out typically by opening the door and looking at the edges of the door or inside of the frame. If it's not there, pull the oven away from the wall a little bit and look right at the back panel. One of those three options will have that make or model number on it. Highly recommend doing that because you need that manual Mm -hmm. because this is one of those things where this is going to be specific. Yep. 
for that make and model. And do they own this? Do they own this or not? I think they do, right? Um, that's... I got the vibe that they owned it. I got that vibe. It does not say specifically. Okay. If you do this work yourself, you could be vacating the warranty. That was my... yeah. I was right? Gonna... So I, I would say be careful. Be careful with it. Um, I, I also wouldn't say this right now. When you, just for the word of caution, when you are working with any type of appliance at home that has the ability to severely hurt someone and severely, you know, be, be, be a larger problem down the road, I highly recommend a, a professional at all the times, right? Like, especially when we're dealing with, with ovens, ovens are a tough one. And the only ones I like to work with are the ones that have a little bit more like they have a heating element right there. They're very accessible and easy to handle. There's not that many mechanics to it. When you start getting digital and you start having a lot of those features, you start having more problems. It's kind of like when you're working with a car, mm-hmm. right? If it's bare bone cars, you can figure it out. But once you start adding the computer system, boy, that gets really difficult. There's a lot of layers to figure out and you almost need to be an IT person on top of being mm-hmm. you know, a maintenance person. So it can be more difficult. Yeah. Do you got anything to add here? I do. Yeah. I, I do just want to uh, just add on to that. The fact that like it may not seem like a huge deal to like have a temperature sensor that's not exactly working correctly but it can be like a huge health risk because of like cooking temperatures depending on what you're cooking things need to be cooked to certain temperatures to be safe to eat and if your oven can't reliably do that you could be putting yourself and your family at risk and that's that's just something to mention and it's right now is the best it's going to be period Mm -hmm. over time it will get worse like especially with any type of like any type of sensor will definitely mess up other things do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think that's interesting. I wonder if there's like some type of way to program it. Like, I, I don't know. Like, is this a programming issue with it? Is, or is it actually the sensor itself on it? That's the whole question I would be asking. Because I don't know. I don't know the make and model. So I don't know how it's designed. And you're not really an appliance lady. I always say that, right? Yeah, I always yeah. say I'm the trans handyman, not the trans appliance lady. But you know? that's okay, though, because there are professionals that are trained specifically to work on small appliances, and you can seek those out, too. Yeah, and our very, very good friend, great friend of the podcast, they probably do not listen, uh, wonderful Renee, or known as um, Renda on the good old TikTok and good old Instagram. They are a great appliance tech themselves. She's wonderful. I highly recommend listening to Renee whenever you get a chance. I've learned a lot from her myself. But that being said, she's a great example, right? As someone who actually is a person in the field who has more ideas about that specific kind of product. But again, they might be more prone to the brand that they work with primarily. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. None of this is like cookie cutter anymore. It used to be that every oven basically had the same guts in it. Mm -hmm. And now ovens are so different than they were even six years ago. They're just so different. I get asked about um, washers and dryers. And I... Man, they are so different than they used to be. And especially because you have been a renter for so long, so you've just had the same washer and dryer that your apartment has supplied. I've I've typically had a pretty beat up washer and dryer for most of my yeah. my career in as a renter, right? But even when I was in maintenance, right, we had like one of those coin operated sure. you know, yeah. washer uh-huh. and dryers. 
and you ha- you outsource that. You outsource mm-hmm. that to other people who are maintenance technicians, sometimes from three or four hours away. Uh-huh. You know, and that's that's what's wild about all that is that like I might be very knowledgeable for all this stuff, but there's there's weird gaps sometimes of like it's the technology has almost gone too far, you know, for me to be able to adequately help anybody other than be like, we got to get them make a model. And there's going to be something online. That's going to direct you in the same, because you're not the only one who's had this problem. Right. There's right. always someone out there. You just got to hope that they put that information out there for other people to learn from. Yeah. And really like the, the thing is the important thing to remember is to, to go through the troubleshooting steps. Anytime you're trying to solve any problem, you know, so let's, just start from the beginning. And- Do that sweet, sweet Mercury method. Yeah. You can learn more about that in my book, Safe and Sound, a renter's friend like guy to home repair. <laughs> All that being said, we also love when people give us very uh, a different kind of question. We like to keep it fresh here. But also, sometimes we get questions that are more about the trans experience than the handy experience. <laughs> and all that being said, today we got a really different kind of question that verges on kind of a heavy question. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone who kind of veers away from very emotional conversations about death and about mortality, I would like you to maybe skip ahead for a few minutes and, and listen to the next question. Or maybe this episode just isn't for you. So just to give you a heads up, and now we're going to play the question. All right, here we go. So from Carolyn here. Good afternoon, Mercury. You'll probably never see this, but I need to share something, mostly because my heart is heavy and I want to get this off my chest. I just had a trans friend of mine ask me if a top surgery can be done after death. I'm a mortician. And because they don't think that they'll ever be able to afford it while they're alive, he just wants to know if he can go out looking how he feels inside. Uh, This is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to hear as a friend. Forget the fact that I answer death questions all day long. He mentioned wanting to apply to the Point of Pride organization, but I don't know if he actually will. And I was wondering if there are any resources that you know of to help answer a question like this. You know, Every once in a while, you as a trans person are just reminded about how, where other people are at in their transitions. And as two people, Basil and I are both trans human beings um, who have, you know, done some type of medical intervention to some extent. And when I hear questions like this, and this is, this is what fuels us to do what we do, right? Like we have raised money to help other trans people the best we can. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways you can do that is by going to the point of pride organization and they have different timelines for applications for different procedures. Now that's, you know, bottom surgeries, top surgeries, facial feminizations, and even they, they, they do garments as well. So you can get a binder and and gaffes from them as well. And all that is, is beautiful. But there's also, sadly, a limitation to mm-hmm. all of it. And I don't know your friend. I don't know the situation they're in. And I can't guarantee that that is what will happen. I can't guarantee that you will get the help and they will get the help that they awfully deserve. And those are hard words for me to say because I want to be able to. I, I, 
I wish we lived in a timeline where compassion and empathy was a little bit more readily available for every single person on earth. And it isn't. So the reality is this. There is still, it's hard to get gender affirming care almost anywhere, especially in some parts of this country. We are traveling around the country right now, um, and we feel it. We feel it when we go to places like Texas. We feel it like when we go to places in the South. We, we feel it like when we go to some places in the West. And the reality of all of this is that the anxiety that your friend is having, the pain of expressing that they would do basically almost anything to be in the body that they know they should be in, the best thing you could do as a friend is to listen. You're not going to be able to solve anything. You're not going to be able to get the access that you want for your friend. That just isn't how it's going to work. I'm not going to give you a magical number. There is not a safe somewhere that will give you all the genders. There is not the, a, a great you know, combination of numbers that I could put into a lock and open it up. I wish and I can't. But I can tell you as a friend that... You love that this person a lot. You care about this person a lot. And that right there is more valuable for them right now in the timeline that we live in. And that's more grounded in reality for a lot of us than it should be. So that would be my advice is to really be the listener that you need to be. That know that we you might not be able to solve your pro- their problems, but sometimes they need to be able to express the anger and express the sadness and express those feelings because it is lonely out there. It can be hard some days for the trans community. And I, and I think that that's the route I would take from my heart. I think that that is uh, a way that anybody in your life can help you and anyone in your life can, can give you that support. You don't need a million dollars to love someone and care for them where they're at. Right. And, you know, it's there, there is a lot to be said for just having community and being around people that see you for the person that you are, even if it's not how you think your body should look. So like being able to provide that, that safe space for your friend yeah. is, it's doing more than you might think it it would do. Yeah, I mean, someone doesn't express those type of feelings if they don't feel safe. And I, that, I mean, those are, I, I got to tell you, though, I don't think those are abnormal thoughts for no, a trans person. not at all. You know, I don't know how Basil feels, but I know for me, I mean, yeah, I've had similar thoughts. You know, like, I, I don't think that's an abnormal thing. That might be hard for some people to listen to. Mm-hmm. That might be hard for some people to understand. But the reality is, is that like that that is that is my my the world that we live in. You know that like the the society can be so tough to those who are different, and it, there isn't enough resources, there isn't enough support, there isn't enough actual action to be able to help everyone who needs it. There's a lot of people who need it. Mm-hmm. So the best thing that we can do is just have an outlet, you know, like let me voice my pain. Let me voice my feelings. I'm doing it right now in the podcast, you know, and I think that I have those outlets. Not everyone does. And if someone is saying those things to you, boy, you could make a huge difference in their life just by being there and being present for them. 
Yeah. Okay, we did good. I think we did good. Basil is looking at me like I did a good job, and I'm, I think I did. <laughs> I think we are just going to take um, a breath after that one. Um, yeah. Um, okay, you ready, Bas? Yes. Christy has a question for us. She says, hello, Miss Mercury. Our landlord is ripping out the carpets of our surrounding neighbor's apartments and it's killing all the soundproofing that our building had. I can't sleep anymore because of the neighbor's TV on all night. Ugh. Is there any soundproofing we can do within our own apartment that works without harming the walls because we rent? Oh, boy. Sound dampening. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Forever a challenge. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. This is a, this is the hardest part. If, if this is a... So they're above them, right? This is not like this isn't. They just say like, surrounding, surrounding. So it could be like sound. It could be side to side and above, which is just a a, a wonderful recipe of just misery. Mm-hmm. But all of that being said, if when we're talking about people above us, right, like in the in the, in the ceiling and etc., right, boy oh boy, it's really hard to do anything on our end. Mm-hmm. You you almost have to go up there and be like, hey, you want to add some rugs, because rugs will do it. Uh, and and putting putting um those like little feet things that go underneath furniture, God, those little oh, furniture yeah. sliders and stuff. Mm-hmm. You add those stuff, boy, that will prevent chairs from that, being like, loud. Yeah, you know, yeah. You if you're a renter and you're above someone's head, I think you'd have those conversations. I think you do those things instinctually. I think it's the, I think it's fair to do that. And I would want someone above my head to do that. Now, I lived in what I would call one of the worst situations about like a, a, a ten and a half years ago. I lived in what used to be an old condo, right? And they retrofitted it, and now they're trying to, you know, they have a, like one condo they're trying to get rid of, and they're renting out and etc. The person above us, right? This there, they own the properties still, right? And they ripped out the carpet Mm -hmm. so now it's hardwood floor right and i'm still convinced to this day that they did not put proper batting in there or not installation in there Mm -hmm. but they ripped it out and they put in hardwood floor and holy shit that was you you walking just walking normally would be an issue right we set up, Matt helped us with this, ironically. We set up this whole area with microphones and stuff to record it. And we recorded them just like running constantly. And just like it was, the noise was so much all the time. Now, what do we do? How do we solve this problem? Sadly, we didn't have a great resolution because when they're above you, it's just so hard. Unless you rip open the ceiling. And you put quiet batting in it, which is this very thick stuff that can kind of like form fit in there and, and make it work. Now, if they're on your side, you can hang big ass blankets, right? That will do it. But if you are trying to do it in any other way, the best route is to like use different furniture, dressers, beds, anything like that can actually help dampen the noise. So I would say maybe go in that route. And then lastly, if you are someone who's listening to this podcast and you have a good idea, you can text and call us and we will play your idea 
for the next time that we're on air, we'll, we'll make sure that you get the credit you do. So you can call this number. 608-205-8768. And make sure that you tell us how we got this wrong, okay? <laughs> I know that we have some of those like sound dampening tiles at the studio, Mercury. I have those at my apartment, too. Yeah. What do you what do you think about that? So this is one of the sad truths about all of this. A lot of this will do better for you as the person. Like it'll make your room like a little bit more manageable if there is no outside sound, right? So like you are gonna be fine inside, right? You're gonna make whatever you're recording or anything like that will be good. But if we're trying to soften the noise from another area, it might not have a whole lot of effect. And I would also err on the side of caution to put cubes or anything like that, sound cubes, on a wall because those can rip the paint. So if you're a renter and you're already having that issue, I don't know if I would go that route. I would be much more likely to add blankets to the wall. You know, you, you, know, you tack them up or you do a little bit of nails. won't be too bad. That's a whole bit better than adding adhesive. I've done curtains, actually, instead of blankets because they're a little bit more designed for that sort of thing. But, yeah, like a nice big thick curtain and, like, hanging it up from the top of the wall, very top, like up by the ceiling. Yep. Because no one ever actually looks for nail holes up there. One of the great things about doing that, too, is if you pleat it. Mm -hmm. Like, if you you take a couple curtains, right, and you run them up there and then you pleat all of them, that actually is going to do more than it would otherwise. And it looks better, too. Yeah, yeah. But, but again... Not perfect, but might work. You know, I think that if you're in a desperate situation and you want to feel like you're actively working towards a solution, this might be the route for you. But it also might not be a solution. It's it's so difficult. I, I When we were writing this part of the book, it was an absolute, like, I wanted there to be good answers for people. But, it, you know, yeah, again, it's not always a great answer. And it might just be more like looking for like a personal solution for you for now, like maybe looking into like some earplugs, like some loop earplugs or something like that, that like reduces sound levels. Or yeah. You can still hear something. You know? Yeah. I always hate using that suggestion, but boy, that's a truth though. Those loops are do do really good. My partner Zizi has had loops for probably like two and a half years, swears by them, mm-hmm. and they really seem to do a really good job. I also really like noise-canceling headphones. Yeah, me too. I, I, I really just, that's actually where I started wearing a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. was back when I was in that terrible situation. Another thing that really helped us a lot was we just, like, reached out to the people who lived above us and got their schedules. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, like, there was nothing. We You know, we asked them to put a rug, and their response was essentially, you know, aesthetically, we don't want a rug. And also, <laughs> you like, know? some people can't have them because they are legitimately a tripping hazard. Yeah, so. it could totally be the case. I don't think that's what was happening here. Yeah. But it could totally be the case. I will also add, though... That, like, we got their schedules, Mm -hmm. and that helped us, like, work around when we could do stuff. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, you know, sometimes there's a way to work around it, but sadly, without having intervention that's, you know, DIY-renovation specific, not going to have the solution you want. You know, this is one of my the things I hate the most about how we do housing um, in like a capitalistic society, because like we have separated people from the community aspects of their housing. You yep. know, like I yep. feel like apartment buildings could be a lot more cooperative. Well, if you want to learn more about that, you can look into uh, tenant units. Uh, tenant units are something that me and Basil have talked about a little bit before. 
And this is probably something to throw out there in this specific instance. When you're having landlords that do this repairs and they're not doing it properly, if all the tenants teamed up together and they started a union and therefore has some leverage when it comes to rent, maybe something would be done of it. And also, like, I, I think the more voices that add something, the more it's hard to to ignore the problem. Mm-hmm. And if you're having this issue, so is every other person in that building, mm-hmm. you know? And if the people if all the people live who live above you, if all of them are saying they don't have an issue, then the problem is really something down below, right? But I I'm I'm telling you when there's smoke there's fire. You know, I've actually um I recently just heard one of my friends teamed up with one of their neighbors to play good cop, bad cop against their landlord uh, to solve a situation like this. What? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I, that's interesting. You know, let's do it. You and I are going to be uh, weird cop and weirder cop. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be great. Okay. That being said, I think we answered that pretty good. Okay. Let's go for the last question of the day. Again, I have a question for you, Mercury. Would you like your cat tax before or after the question? I'm going to go with after again. Got to make sure that we, uh, you know, if I don't want to answer the question, you pay that tax and I'm real happy afterwards. Okay, here we go. I have a maintenance question. All my doors creak. (laughs) What is the best way to stop a creaky door? You know, it's funny because we kind of talked about this inadvertently before. Okay, show me the cat tax first. Oh, what is this? Oh, my God. That's a gray boy, isn't it? Oh, my God. Wait, what was the name of the cat? I don't know if they sent it. Oh, no. That's so cute. Hold on. Oh, my God. You you see this? You could text back and ask. Oh my god, I love this cat. Dude, I'm sorry that 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 like blew my mind. That cat is the most gorgeous creature. Okay. Sorry, I just saw the most beautiful cat photo. Got to tell you, man, some of you just are like great photographers for your cats. Your cats could be a pro- professional. Okay. All that being said, now that we're not talking about cat models, what were we talking about? <laughs> Creaky doors. Oh, yeah. We inadvertently answered this question before. So we were talking about don't use WD-40 for that. I want to tell you right now, you could use WD-40 if you really want to in a pinch. You could do it on a door. I, I, I think that like it could stain doors. It can stain paint. It can uh, cause farther problems down the line because, it like again, it gums up rather than lubricates sometimes. And gumming up is not the thing that you really want to do most of the time when you're working with your door. But... You can do a multi-purpose, like, actual, multi-purpose, like, lubricant of some kind. Those do pretty good for, for door hinges. Now, what you want to do, if you are really having an issue and all of them are, like, pretty quirky, I think you could do two, one of two things. You can spray them directly with the multi-purpose spray, right? Or take the pins out. You take the pins out and you lubricate the pins that way and then you put the pins back in. You can take the pins out one by one by taking like a chisel or a flathead screwdriver going down below the pin and then knocking the pin out with a hammer or a mallet by using a chisel or the the wonderful flathead. But all of that being said, 
right? That is the way you could do it. You could lubricate them directly that way. That usually solves the problem. Or if you feel like, oh, that's just a lot of damn work and you don't want to do all that work and you just want to be done with it, replace all the hinges. That's another route. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And actually, not that not expensive. Not that expensive at all. If you are a renter, no one will ever notice. No, they'll no never one, know. No one will ever notice. They'll never know. Yeah. It's that TikTok song. No, it's just repeating. Be suspicious. Be, be suspicious. That wasn't the one. That was <laughs> Wait, which one, which one were they'll you? They'll never know. They'll never know. They'll never know. Oh, that one. Oh, shit. I went in the wrong direction. I went in the hole. That's from don't part. Don't be suspicious. This don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. It's from Parks and Rec, the very last episode. It's a good show. Don't, don't be suspicious. Well, did we answer the question? <laughs> yeah, replace the hinges. That is mind blown. I don't know why I didn't think of that. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, because also they don't cost that much. Yeah. I would say, too, you might be able to locate which hinge is giving you the problem. You know, if it's every hinge, you know, like close it a bunch of times and see what happens. Oh, yeah. By the way, if you're spraying it with WD-40 or any of those that stuff, if you are doing that, you need to close the door a bunch of times. Mm. You need to spray it and then just like open and close, open and close, open and close. I would say like 10, 15 times. Because you got to work it in there. Yeah, you got to right? work it in there. And that's the, that's what people miss a lot of times when using lubricant. Oh, I did this and it didn't work. You got to get the lubricant up in, in there. The the actual metal that's touching the other metal, metal has to get lubricated. So that's why when you take the pin out, and you're lubricating it directly and you're putting it back in. Well, you're ensuring that it's getting up in there in a very effective way. That's why I think it's a better route to go than just spraying it. Because you're just making a damn mess and you're not right, really solving the right. problem. It's not just like magic but, spray juice. But if you're in a hurry, totally get it. Totally get it. If you want, if you got mom and dad coming over and you want to make sure you want to impress them because you just fixed the, the door hinges, spray them down. They won't know the difference. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we did it, Mercury. I think we did it. I think we answered some questions today. We did. I'm proud of it. If you have any pet peeves or concerns or you think I got anything wrong, you you can tell us what the answers are by texting this number. 608-205-8768. And if you loved it, tell us that too. We love all the positive feedback. If you have your own questions, you can also come join us on the Discord. You can ask us questions there. You can come chat about episodes. We also have a new book club podcast that is happening on Discord. Discord is quickly becoming one of my favorite ways to interact with my audience. We'll be doing more of it while we're on the book tour. Just reminding myself I need to do that right now. Uh, And we're just really happy to be able to have a great community over there and to interact with all of you. If you also want to support us in any ways, you can always support us by going on our Patreon. And until next time, remember, you're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. Bye-bye. Bye. The theme song was created by Rody Walker. Questions were picked up by our production assistant, Ziggy. A big thank you to our executive producer, Basil. And this podcast was recorded and edited by Matthew Allen Hag. Thank you for listening. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. So grab your-
your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to. You're worth the time.